This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Ullman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Isabel Modica speaks with Nicole Meyer, Director of Branding at Ultra Fabrics. Hi, Nicole and listeners. My name is Isabel Modica, and I'm a design and sustainability professional working in home textiles and writing about sustainability, textiles, and more. One of my priorities is to incorporate sustainable innovations and circular design principles into my practice. And as a textile professional, I am so excited to speak with you today about your work with Ultra Fabrics. So, Nicole, for listeners that may not be familiar with the company, can you tell us about Ultra Fabrics? Yeah, sure. Um, we create and we design intelligent next generation materials that combine functionality with comfort in a variety of design styles. What we're really known for is our really unique sensorial quality. And simply put, we make you know polyurethane materials that could look like anything from your standard leather textures all the way to really unique and innovative grains of the future. Um, we're considered an ingredient brand. And so we partner with a lot of different companies in almost 12 different industries. So that includes anything from furniture, so workplace, residential and healthcare, to aviation, automotive, RVs, and even fashion. Um, you can most likely find our materials you know, at your favorite restaurants, um, but we're also part of the Virgin Galactic Spaceship Two. We are in different Land Rover models. We um, are in McLaren and JetBlue, um, just a couple to name. And um, just finally, you know, we've been doing this for over 20 years. We actually just celebrated our 22nd anniversary earlier in April and really consider ourselves a pioneer of uh, polyurethane, polyurethane materials. Um, our mill is in Japan and our offices and our main warehouse are here in New York and then we have additional distribution and our showroom in London. Wow that's some big names there. I love that <laughs> fabrics has literally gone is going to space with exactly that's, exactly. That's that's huge. Um you know, very exciting stuff. I I'm now thinking like oh how, you know how many cars have I been in that have used ultra fabrics? How how many places have I been where you, your materials have been? It's a very exciting exciting thing to think about. Um so just diving in a little deeper, I know Ultrafabrics completed a materiality assessment in 2019. What was that like for the company and your team in specific? And how did it lay the groundwork for your first ever sustainability report? Uh, you know, honestly, it was a pretty easy process. Uh, you know, we had a lot of interest from all of our internal and external stakeholders. So we were able to really engage them throughout the process and really assess where we were at the time and also where we wanted to see ourselves in the future. You know, at that time, there was a really big need for us to really solidify our commitments. So it gave us a chance to do that um, authentically and transparently. And it was really interesting to see, you know, regardless of which internal department you were in or which market we were serving, we aligned in a lot of the same areas. Um, and as far as the groundwork, you know, it gave us our, our commitments, which are centered around material innovation, product quality and health and transparency and accountability. 
and the framework to assess and report against those, which of course was reflected in that sustainability report. Um, you know, we did end up with a lot of key areas, I think like almost 30. <laughs> so at the, in the first year, it was a lot to kind of tackle or feel like you had to tackle all at once. Um, but, you know, we've kind of further prioritized and are focusing in on some areas where we can be the most successful with our impact. You talked about your uses in the healthcare industry, and I know you've talked about health being a priority as part of this materiality assessment. Um, have you seen any changes in the way Ultra Fabrics has been used with the pandemic or the way you're being kind of the requests you're getting from customers during this pandemic? Well, there's definitely been an increase in demand for materials like ours. Um, just because they can be easily cleaned, you know, disinfected with bleach, um, things like that. And, and because we incorporate different solutions, whether it's, you know, ink and stain resistance or antimicrobial protection, those are very kind of key attributes that, you know, customers are looking for compared to, you know, maybe like a woven fabric or a different type of material that will allow the microbes and all those things to sit on there. You know, we don't really kind of seep through, I guess. Um, our materials, you know, they are resistant to cleaning and, you know, perform better than um, other materials that, you know, have been used up until kind of the pandemic, I guess. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I think I've seen a lot of is the kind of rise in this awareness of health and wellness, not just, you know, obviously sustainability is a big part of on everyone's mind right now, but health and wellness as an emergence from the pandemic, um, especially in that antimicrobial space you've talked about. So, you know, exciting to see how that changes business for um, fabric suppliers and all of that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, diving in a little bit more to that report, which was released in late March, um, what are some of the highlights for you? I mean, first of all, just having a report, our first report that included environmental and performance measures is such a highlight. This was seriously a labor of love. Mm -hmm and our teams and our external consultant, we really came together to collaborate on this beautifully, which makes me very proud. Um, but, you know, diving more into the report, some specific highlights would be, you know, our water conservation. We were able to, um, you know, save about five to 10% of fresh water use um, and report on that, which was very exciting. We also introduced an illustration that we call our responsible manufacturing. Um, and it really kind of simplifies our production process while calling out some of the sustainable efforts that we're making. Um, and then another big highlight is just our waste aversion. You know, end of life for a product like ours is an industry-wide concern. So we're doing all that we can to make sure our material doesn't end up in the landfill. Um, so we really made an effort in the last year to reduce manufacturing and unsold inventory waste. Um, and it includes um, what we call our material donation program, which is Motenai. And Motenai is the Japanese concept of finding value in what others would consider waste. And so we've been donating a lot of material to local organizations and schools, and it's just, you know, it's a win-win for all. That's so great. I remember being at art school and doing so many projects based off of you know, whatever the local, like I was in Baltimore. So, you know, there's a few different offices for um, different textiles uh, operations down there and getting the rolls of fabric in, whether it was athletic or whether it was, 
you know, scraps from a textile like recycling center was always such a great thing. And, uh, you know, the ability to like create work from, from find value in waste and find value in recycled materials was such a big part of the, the learning experience. And I think really shapes um, where I'm coming to from the, with sustainability in the textile world. So I think that's such an important thing that you guys are doing and very exciting. Um, so just go, circling back to that report, um, it sounds like you had this great kind of cohesion amongst your team at um, Ultra Fabrics. What was it like working with the suppliers as you worked on uh, completing this report? Um, with the suppliers, um, it was, some of it was kind of new, to be honest with you. You know, our mill is in Japan, so there is a bit of a cultural difference of how much to share, how much is you know, proprietary. They don't want to be too transparent. Um, so it was a little bit of um, a working challenge <laughs> that we, we did get through. Um, but overall, it was, it was fairly easy. It also challenged us to you know, ask more questions that we may not have thought to ask of our suppliers. Um, you know, when we started projects or, or developing materials you know, two or three years ago, between now, we didn't know certain questions to ask. So it was a, you know, it was a learning experience. But fortunately, you know, we had such support you know, from our C-suite on down here and at the mill that they really kind of pushed it through. And, and our sales team, I mean, this was such a huge tool for them. Um, you know, we all want to do our part for the planet, of course, for our, you know, just being humans and our love for the planet, but sustainability is like a big business factor as well. Um, and so having a sustainable commitment is pretty much table stake. So all of those things kind of helped push it, um, us, our mill and our suppliers, you know, forward. That sounds so great. I know so, so some of the hardest part of these reports is getting the kind of the supplier input and that 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 tertiary detail but that's such a big part of building out the 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 scope and building out the information so i you know the fact that it was a learning process of course it's the first report you guys have released um uh but it's 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 the impact and the 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 picture you've been able to capture of the sustainability journey of ultra fabrics is really Really exciting. Um, so can you talk about Ultra Fabrics' journey from 2015 when you introduced bio-based materials in your product assortment to the present and what kind of going forward your 2025, 2030 goals are? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, going back to 2015, we were actually challenged by, you know, one of our customers to actually incorporate bio-based products, you know, with us being an ingredient brand we are helping to support their goals and their vision. Um, and so we found a boutique supplier um, that had these resins, they're corn-based, and were able to be mixed in with our standard polyurethane resins. Um, it took about you know, four years for us to go through the development, the testing, all of that before it was ready to market. So it was quite the commitment at the time. Um, and, and when it came out to market in 2019, this product is Velar Bio. We are so excited because it's pretty much the first polyurethane that has bio-based content that is suitable for furniture upholstery. Um, a lot of other bio-based materials that are similar to ours, they're used for you know, apparel and accessories, things that aren't gonna stand up to the wear and tear. Um, so it kind of goes back to our overall mission of you know, pioneering these like socially conscious materials, but without sacrificing on comfort and performance. So we were able to balance all of that. 
Um, so exciting to be a leader now in the space, uh, and you know, for these higher use materials that you guys are are operating in. That's just very exciting because you think it's apparel, it's lower use, it's lower kind of rub fastness, if you will. And I'm not sure that's not the right term, but you know, I'm thinking <laughs> of a double rub test and a pulse. Yes, test. yes. So you know, I think it's it's very exciting that you guys have brought this to market. Um, but yeah, um, and and with and with that as well, like comes the cleaning like we were talking about, you know, now cleaning is at an all time high. So this can still um, be suitable for healthcare and those kind of markets, but it has better ingredients. So between the, the corn resin, the wood pulp and our textile backing that gave it the 29% bio-based content. Um, and since then um, we're actually developing an, automate, an automotive um, version of this product. Um, that requires, you know, additional testing because they have even more durable, durability standards. Since we introduced it in 2019, we're actually working on an automotive uh, quality of it. They have additional durability standards, but there's a big appetite for the, you know, bio-based or recycled content in that market. Um, we actually also added some new colors to Valar Bio earlier this year, and that's received a great response because we're seeing such demand across so many industries. Um, but, you know, going away from that, we've also been playing around with some really fun things as far as natural pigments. We've partnered with um, a supplier out in Japan who is taking like food waste from food production. So like, you know, coffee grinds and beets and green tea and using that to dye our apparel grade product. Um, and so we're looking to hopefully introduce that later um, this year or early next year. It's really beautiful. Um, but I guess going back to the overall goals for 2025 and 2030, um, those are all about including bio-based and recycled content into our new introductions. So right now we're working on some recycled polyester backcloths um, for our custom developments and are going to be introducing a full collection um, with that backcloth in the next year. So exciting. And I'm sure whatever automotive company you're working with, with these new bio-based um, materials will be lucky to be the first guys to market with the interiors so considered from a sustainability standpoint. It's very exciting news. Um, as a lover of natural dyes and natural pigments myself, I can't wait for the apparel line to hit, uh, the apparel fabrics to hit as it were. Um, you know, I think it's so exciting when people use avocado pits, coffee grounds, um, more traditionally things like turmeric or beets or onions. Um, so the fact that it's utilizing food waste that's already out there and diverting it from landfill is something that is so important in the sustainability world. And it's such a good way to look at business is looking at how can we use these waste products that exist rather than creating more of virgin materials or virgin dyes or anything like that. So yeah, exactly. And it's, it's such a beautiful product because there's like a natural variance to the colors. So there's a little bit of a story there. And actually I remember they brought in a sample. Um, they've been working on it now, I guess for two years of a green tea product and it actually smelled a little bit like green tea. So, so like that, that was really fun as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think the customer, we're also we're also disparate right now with this pandemic that I think things like a variance of color, the kind of the handmade mark that's inherent in a natural dyed product or a natural pigment product, the customer's craving that, they're craving that, that kind of like nostalgia that that brings. Um, so I think that that is, you know, very, very timely.
I'm Lauren. I'm Catherine. And I'm Danielle. We are three sustainability experts unraveling what's holding us back from regeneration and liberation in the fashion and home industries. Welcome to Unspun, a podcast by Population. The world was already at a tipping point when the pandemic hit. Fashion brands canceled orders, leaving garment workers unpaid. Not long after, the same workers put their lives at risk to make PPE. And in the midst of all this, a racial reckoning swept the U.S., triggering the greatest wave of wolfwashing the country had ever seen. It may not seem like it, but these problems are all interconnected. On this podcast, we'll look at the whole system and the people within it to discover why and what it will take to create real and lasting change. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You've talked really about exciting materials that are part of your 20, 25, 20, 30 goals. What do you make of exciting innovations in algae foams and mycelium and mushroom materials? And um, do these comprise part of the Ultra Fabrics roadmap at all? Or are these things that you guys are considering? Those, yeah, they are things that we are considering. Um, probably partnering with, you know, a lot of these, you know, whether it's the mycelium leathers or things like that, they're all, um, you know, smaller companies. So we want to partner with someone, hopefully, that we can kind of help with scaling it up and and being able to really help mass produce. Um, so there are some conversations happening. Um, can't say what or who, um, but that is definitely something that we are thinking about going forward because it's, you know, it's really all together, we're bringing this category of leather alternatives forward, um, you know, collectively. Like we don't look at it as a competition or anything like that. It's just, um, what needs to be done. So we're, we're definitely uh, thinking about that. It's great to hear. And I love the, the alliance, the, the kind of camaraderie of bringing, bringing more bio-based materials and bio leathers, you know, leather replacements um, to the market. I think it's a very important goal. So excited to hear that that's part of, part of the eventual plan. Um, and I think Ultra Fabrics as, you know, brings that, that ability to scale, which is so important for these startups. So excited to see what will come. Yes. Um, yeah. So I know you talked about the five to 10% reduction of water used in your material making process. That was part of the report shared in March. I would love to hear more about your goals to increase that percentage as part of your 2030 commitments. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, in full transparency, while this is a priority for us, we haven't set the target yet. Um, this savings of five to 10% was a little bit of a happy accident, you know, because we pushed our mill to find alternative ways to save water. You know, water is such an important part of our production process. It's very intensive, as you know, in textile production. Um, and so there were various things we were looking at, you know, pre-pandemic as far as water filtration towers, things like that. Um, but just the cost of investing at that time wasn't possible. But we were like, okay, we can't just settle with that. What, what else can we do? And they just kind of were like, oh, we were able to save this water in this one part of a process, um, which was amazing. But we are um, actually tomorrow night talking to the mill um, and starting to like really flesh out what those targets will be and we'll have it in our next report. 
Exciting to hear. I think so often people forget about water footprint and water impact as part of sustainability goals. Um, they think of it as greenhouse gas emissions. They think about it as, you know, scope one and two, but they don't think about water, materiality, all these things. So, you know, it's exciting to hear that you're looking at that going forward um, as part of your sustainability journey. Speaking of your sustainability journey, can you speak to your biodegradable material goals? Are you looking to achieve, uh, what are you looking to achieve through inherent biodegradability, topical finishes, et cetera? Um, so this, you know, this is a long-term goal and the work that we're doing with like bio-based and recycled ingredients is kind of a step along that journey as biodegradable technologies become available. Um, there's not a lot that's out there that's once again can still live up to our performance standards. So it's that balance. Um, and there's also just the, the thought that, you know, our application of our materials is a part of a final product. So there's other components and things that are a lot of, are a lot of factors. So we're kind of working with it kind of market by market <laughs> um, to kind of see like, when you know, we think of a chair, there's a lot of components involved in that versus, you know, a handbag where we would be the only material. Um, but, like I said, the, the work that we're doing with the bio-based, the recycled content, all that is leading us towards that as we kind of still test out other options for biodegradability. Great, so changing gears now, um, I would love to hear more about your background and how you got into this space. <laughs> sure, yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably like most people where you kind of end up in a seat that is meant for you, but you didn't think that's where you would be. Um, so I grew up actually in Seattle, Washington. Um, and then I moved out to New York, you know, to go to FIT in the early 2000s. Um, but I, uh, unfortunately, I guess a little bit graduated in 2008 in the midst of a recession. So trying to get a job. Um, and I also had a brand new baby at the time was a little bit of a challenge. So a lot happening in, in my personal world. Um, so after like a couple of years of just like odd jobs, I actually found this job at Ultra Fabrics on Craigslist. Um, it was an entry level job. I just wanted to get back into the creative space, um, not commute to the city, you know, like all those things that you're thinking about. So I found this job and it was for a sample coordinator. So pretty much when people would designers, brands, they want to, you know, see what the color looks like, I would be the person sending out the memos. Um, and so I figured that this would just be my way in the door. I would figure out how to work my way through Ultra Fabrics. Um, I kind of thought I would end up more in product, but over the years I fell more into like the marketing and branding space, which I absolutely love. Um, and just, you know, work my ranks, work my way through the ranks um, and ended up in this position. So it's really great. You know, I do, you know, a little bit of brand management or visual and verbal look, all of that. and sustainability is a big part of our brand image, of course. So back in 2019, when we had an opportunity to partner with Helsinki Fashion Week, um, they were one of the first shows to ban leather. We knew we really had to like up our game when it came to sustainability. Um, so I kind of took on spearheading our internal committee, getting our sustainability consultant um, and, and helping really kind of formalize you know, our sustainable efforts. Um, so although I don't really have formal training in this realm, it's just something that you know, I'm interested in, I'm, I'm passionate about and I've learned so much. I love that journey from sample coordinator to where you are now <laughs> is, is quite quite a path. And I think, you know, I, 
there's something so amazing about the Craigslist job find turning into such a career. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's incredible the, the, the confluence of events of graduating in 2008 and amidst a, amidst a, not a pandemic, it was a recession, sorry, getting my, my global <laughs> events. Um, but, you know, of course we're so happy here at Ultra Fabrics. I, I do truly believe people end up where they're supposed to be, whether the journey there was straight or very, very winding. Um, so I think the work you're doing is great. And for those who aren't in the textile field, memos are swatches of fabric you send to your retailers, your brand, um, kind of just showing what the fabric is. Um, so Nicole, we ask all of our interviewees, um, how do you personally define sustainability? Oh my gosh, this is such a great question. I, so when I was starting to work in this space, whenever I would travel, I would always ask this question to people. And it was so great to hear their responses. Um, but I guess to me, uh, you know, at, on a personal level, it's all about making the best decision I can a day at a time. Um, and so whether it's, you know, removing plastic from my kids' lunchboxes or choosing a better, you know, responsibly made product or something like that, it's all those little steps, you know, because I feel like sustainability can just feel so overwhelming and sometimes you make one decision that seems good but it has like probably some negative hidden effects so you feel a little stuck so I think this approach of just like one step at a time doing what I can um, is what I've brought over to the work we're doing at Ultra Fabrics. I think this one step at a time process to sustainability is really a great way to approach um, these bigger goals that we all have around sustainability, these bigger targets that brands and um, retailers and manufacturers and ingredient uh, suppliers like yourself are all facing, we can only really get there one step at a time. So um, it's exciting, you know, hearing from everyone if their different definitions of sustainability and um, thanks for sharing. So on that note, what is the biggest challenge that you face in your day-to-day -day work in sustainability? Well, I guess because I'm, I'm really responsible for like the communications and the, the training of it. Um, the, the challenge sometimes is the simplification of those communications, you know, having that elevator pitch, you know, because our commitments are so layered, you know, and our product is so layered as well, you know, being an animal free product isn't just a, always enough and it shouldn't be enough. Um, so, you know, trying to find that way to express our sustainability without being too wordy or too technical um, is, you know, a challenge that we're working through. Um, and then I think the other, you know, really quickly is, like I said, with kind of getting sometimes information um, from our mill that they're comfortable sharing, you know, because in my seat of like kind of branding and marketing, we want to talk about these things now as we're working through them where they want to talk about them once we've arrived there. Um, so that's been a little bit of a, a cultural challenge, but we've, you know, we've gotten through it, but those would kind of be the two. Thanks for sharing. I think, you know, I was talking to someone in supply chain sustainability yesterday, and there's, there's such a journey at different points of the supply chain and the, the chain of custody around sustainability and around labeling and around, um, you know, what, what can we go, what can we certify? What can we claim? So I think I definitely, I resonate with that, with that as a struggle. <laughs> um, so lastly, any other thoughts you'd like to share with us, Nicole? 
Um, you know, the only thing I would just say, I guess, with like brands and just in general is that, you know, transparency is really respected. You know, we, I've learned through this process, you know, that we don't have all the solutions at one time, of course. I think everyone knows that and you can kind of feel a little shy as a brand to go out there um, unless you have all your ducks in a row and then you also don't want to be greenwashing. So I think just being transparent and taking the customer along the journey with you is, is really respected. So that would be my final last thought. Thank you so much, Nicole. We've enjoyed having you on the, on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. We appreciate our loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot to your Instagram account and tag Impact Report Podcast. Learn more about Ultra Fabrics and read their sustainability report by visiting ultrafabricsinc.com. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, May 7th. We'll be speaking with Francesca Mahoney of Petco. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career in sustainability. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, fashion, circular economy, and more about how they launched their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industry. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.